back to another episode of Turn Up the Volumes. I am Tori. And I'm Evelyn. And we are so excited to wrap up the first Hunger Games book in this week's episode with you guys. <sighs> so good, this, right? So good. This book was such a whirlwind that I immediately went out and bought the second book. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that, you know, having this much space between the first time that I read the Hunger Games... And now, I forgot how engaging and addictive it is. Like, I wanted to dive into the next book so bad, but I'm holding off because I'm trying to let this marinate. Yes. But it's so good. Okay, now let me ask you a question. Okay. Because I just thought of this. Have you ever read the Harry Potter series? No, I have never read the Harry Potter series, and I know I'm going to get shamed for it. And I'm going to tell you one thing. No, I don't shame you for it. I don't shame okay. you for it. But do okay. tell me your one thing. I have tried to read it multiple times. Every time I get to page 30 and I'm like, I can't do this. Okay. And that's saying something because I cannot not finish a book, but I will not finish that book ever. Interesting. Okay. I get no judgment. I mean, it's not for everybody. Um, and also, I do think it's harder to read it as an adult for the first time. Mm -hmm. I tried in high school for the first time. Yeah. I read them in late middle school. Um, and I was reading them, I think, around the same time that my brother had read them or he had previously read them. So, like, we were reading them um, around the same time and whatnot. And, mm -hmm. um, also watching the, in, the movies in conjunction with each book. Um, yeah. but I had the same sort of, like, ferocity with, with, the, with, um, Hunger Games as I did with Harry Potter. I just wanted to, like, keep absorbing more. And I read them, like, way after they came out. So, <laughs> I was right. able to read them all in <laughs> one summer, but, um... Yeah, so it just brought me back to that, you know, no. time. <laughs> no, it has that same energy. I mean, a good book series is a good book series. And, you know, if something that engages you is is huge, not everything is that engaging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So anyway, yeah, guys, if you haven't listened to our first episode on The Hunger Games, what are you doing listening to this episode, first of all? Yeah. Yeah. Second of all, <laughs> um, we did a lot of the introductory stuff last episode with, um, you know, going over the basics of the book and uh, our introductory thoughts. So we're just going to jump right in this week because we got a lot yeah. to discuss because we're very excited to discuss it. <laughs> right. At this point, you should have read it and there's there will be many, many, many spoilers. We will not be holding back. So cover your ears if you're not prepared for spoilers. And there will be a pop quiz at the end. Um, just kidding. But um, for those who had to read it in high school for school, you know oh, what wow. I'm talking about. Sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, you want to jump into some discussion questions? Yes. Let's dive in. Who do you want to go first? I can go first. I think because I have more, I'll go first. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, um, one of the things that really... Um, was on like the tip of my tongue you know a lot of the time and the top of my brain was like I thought a lot about the game makers as like a one character you know um mm -hmm. through the whole book because they're kind of this like silent character whereas you really don't see much of them but like they're in pretty much the whole book and they really never speak and they don't do much like physically like written down until like you really is called out but like everything is orchestrated by them 
So with that being said, like, what is the worst thing that you think that the game makers did to the tributes? Um, so yeah, that's a really difficult question because they did a lot of terrible things. Um, my first thing would, I guess, like the my immediate go to would be when they literally announced that uh, that two people can actually win the Hunger Games now as long as they're from the same district. Uh, so they straight up lied, and that was horrible. And then, um, I guess the whole games are horrible. I mean, they're really they're putting you mm-hmm. in this manufactured environment. Uh, I'd say when they forced Katniss back into the arena with this fire, and her leg got all burnt up, and it was disgusting, and that was yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'd agree definitely. Yeah, I agree definitely with the. Um, you know, lying to them about the tributes, being like, oh, mm-hmm. like, you can, you know, both win. And then, like, obviously, like, pulling that all away in the very end so they can have a bloodier, mm-hmm. more dramatic fight, which is, like, oh, so infuriating. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I also um, go back to the training center and ignoring tributes, like, blatantly, because they're just drunk and had a long day and like they're holding people's lives in their hands at all times and they just don't even care and i think that's like like yes like killing people burning people whatever like yeah that's the games Mm -hmm. and not saying that that's not bad but even before they've even started they're already against people and you can tell right (laughs) no it definitely is um it's really interesting because, like, I think you and I talked a few minutes ago uh, about, you know, how much do the prejudices of, like, the districts mm. play into the games. And I mm-hmm. think even with the game makers, they have certain expectations on certain districts. You know what I mean? Higher mm-hmm. than the others. Yeah, definitely. Kind of going off that, actually, like, how do you think the differences and inequalities of the districts really affects the games um well i think that it really um it really hurts the opportunities for Mm. some of the districts who don't usually have victors like district 12 Mm -hmm. uh in the sense where people are probably less likely to sponsor those tributes um and those tributes are just going to die of natural causes or just straight up be murdered. There's no expectation on them. Nobody really cares about them. These people are not overly prepared for the Hunger Games. They're starving um, mm-hmm. versus other districts, like District 1, who are, like, training for the Hunger Games. Like, mm-hmm. they are down for it. They're ready for it. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, even, like, Katniss, like, she's, I'd say, the most prepared person from District 12 you could get because she's her family's so hungry that she has to illegally hunt. And so she's mm-hmm. able to, like, quote-unquote train that way. Um, but that's not the typical, you know, District 12 resident, like, Rue, you know. If she wasn't, you know, the person on top of the trees, would she have even, would anybody else really have made it? You know, like, um, was it Thatch? Was that his name or... Th- what was his name? Thrash? Thrash. Um, 
I've been watching Grey's Anatomy, and that's Meredith's dad's <laughs> name is Thatch, Thatcher. Um, <laughs> Thrash, like, he was, like, really big and strong, but, like, that's not typical, you know? Like, mm-hmm. um, you really have to use your brain and not just, like, rely on, like, your fighting skills if you want to make it anywhere near the end. And these, like, all these, like, closer districts to the capital have, like, all these, like, cushier jobs. And, like, they have the time to train, even though it's technically illegal, but no one really cares. And, like, it's just, I don't know, it's very frustrating. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. you see it, like, it also shows, you know, it it shows in today's society, too, with, like, basically having to like it's unlikely you will like quote unquote win at life if you're in just like a poor area or because everything's against you you know Mm -hmm. so I think that's very um well displayed in this book I think it really shows that not much has changed (laughs) in this which makes it scarier (laughs) right in this dystopian world I mean some people are set up for failure and some people are set up for success Mm-hmm. Not saying that you can't break out of that, like Katniss. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it took a lot. <laughs> it but took a lot more. It, the odds are not in her favor. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I mean, think about just, like, if Prim had actually had to go to the games, you know? Like, yeah. she would not have survived. No. Like, very unlikely. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's very yeah. interesting. But I really like that they, that, um... Suzanne Collins really used that. And, like, even things like um, having the, like, tesserae, like, mm-hmm. with a lot of these poor communities having the odds even more against them with having to put their name in more times for the games. Yeah. Just to eat. <laughs> right. Like, because they just don't have... There's no money in their community. There's no, you know, government influence. It's all just very... Um, very forsaken <laughs> right so. and that it really it shows you Katniss's personality I mean a lot of people too I'm sure did that but the fact that she was mm-hmm. willing to put her name in there many 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 more times just to mm-hmm. help feed her family yes yeah and like she wouldn't let Prim put her name in which is like no. <laughs> well you should have because she you know <laughs> right. uh, she got picked anyway but you know anyway yeah but yeah off of that question i do Mm. have a little discussion question um Hmm. and it was about katniss and her relationships and Mm -hmm. so just how would you describe katniss's relationships so her separate relationships with gail versus prim versus the mother and then how Mm -hmm. do those relationships define her personality Mm. yeah so i mean I think that even though she's, you know, like, close with Gail and Prim, she still keeps herself at a distance at all times, you know? And especially with her mother, because she's lost all trust with her mom when, you know, when her father died and her mom just went AWOL. She just Mm -hmm. was in a huge depressive episode for years and years, and, um she couldn't get herself out of it. So Katniss had to keep them from starving. They almost all died because their mom couldn't take care of them at such a young age. And 
I mean, she, she was 11, you know, and she had to care for her entire family. So she has a lot of hurt and um, trauma from, from that experience with her mom. So she's mm-hmm. justifiably distant from her. And it's just like, she's just like this lady who like has gotten better, but like, I can't trust her with anything, <laughs> Not nothing yeah. important. And um, I think that is like also seen with, Prim and Gail of like I've already lost someone I've loved both physically and mentally and I will let you in a little bit and I will trust you a little bit but I'm not going to let you in all the way because I can't experience that full hurt again um and I think that's true of you know with everything with with Hamish with Peta with you know and I think that's a very defining characteristic of hers is just very like away from everybody so yeah no very guarded Mm. um I think that I think that there's a tenderness about her that is really only displayed uh with her relationship with Prim and obviously like you said she's still guarded but there's that there is that sort of tenderness with her obviously she's willing to die for her sister Mm -hmm. um and then with Gail I feel like there's this companionship this camaraderie that she doesn't really have anywhere else and her mom and her obviously have a very um, strained relationship, given the circumstances with her father's death and the way the mother handled things. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Katniss is very, um, what was the word that you used for her personality? Oh, um, I'm not sure. <laughs> just something that meant guarded, just very like off on um, defense, like, yeah. She yeah. Can, doesn't she's not she doesn't trust people and it that's that is a very big part of her personality mm-hmm. and i think that it's something that you can really see throughout the whole book really even in the games mm-hmm. although i will say she did seem to let her guard down with rue mm-hmm. and i think it equates to her relationship with prim because she always yeah. was like oh they're so similar ha <laughs> yeah (laughs) yeah yeah definitely um yeah i think you see it through just everything and the only other person i think that she really can open up to is cinna Mm -hmm. um right her he and her have a very or at least relatively open relationship um where he just because he just seems to get her um, which I thought was very interesting that she just like instantly felt so like trusting of him mm-hmm. right from the get go, which was very uncharacteristic of her. <laughs> um, right. it's like I'll literally let you light me on fire, like, <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of of Gail, do you want to get into yes. our deeper conversation on Gail and Peta? <gasps> Let me shift in my seating here to get comfy. Yes. Right. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm ready. Okay. So let's just start off with, like, the pros and cons of Gale's uh, in the, you know, his corner. What's in his corner, you know? He's attractive. Okay. Well, how do you know that? In my mind, he's attractive <laughs> in the book. <laughs> okay. Okay. I've okay. decided that. Also, I just really like that he is self-sufficient. And not painting cakes. 
he is mm. working in the forest and hunting and doing what he needs to do. Okay. Okay. I like that. Yeah. So he's hot. He's a self-starter. <laughs> and um, he's a family man. He's a family man by choice. Well, he didn't want to yeet out of there with Katniss. So that's true. I don't know. Yeah, Katniss is definitely not a family person. So, you know, it's hard being um, with somebody if they don't want what you want. No, it really is. I'd say that's a con, but, you know. Yeah. I'm just, as if you listen to the last episode, I'm anti-Gale all the way. You are anti-Gale. <laughs> he serves no purpose. <laughs> <laughs> he, he serves the confusion for Katniss. Mm-hmm. She needs to have that that little um, the little beef there with her Gail and Peeta, and she needs to decide who she's supposed to be with. Yeah. Well, I will say I have my my pros, so I will say I have a few. Okay, tell me your pros. Okay, I will say that they have a mutual trust, um, that they've had for years, which is not something to snuff at, um, and. They have. They also share trauma, um, with both of their mm-hmm. fathers dying in the mine. I'm not saying that that's grounds for a relationship, but it just—it's <laughs> love. It's um, you understand the other person's trauma because you've lived the trauma, so there's right. more understanding with that trauma. So, um, and they do take care of each other's families, but those are all pros of just like, in general. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I don't think they're grounds for a relationship. All right, give me the cons. Lay it on me. Okay, I think Gail is arrogant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he and Katniss want different things out of life. Mm-hmm. I think that um, he has too much to worry about. He doesn't really. Sh- strive for anything not that there is anything to really strive for in their situation um but yeah he's just like he rubs me the wrong way and he doesn't really talk about his feelings and he just seems very grumpy all the time okay so those are my cons nothing that you said was wrong (laughs) (laughs) okay Would you like to add anything? I mean, maybe I would say... Hmm. No, you covered it. I like the fact that he looks out for Katniss's family and Katniss looks mm-hmm. out for them. And it's kind of that that mutual bond. And mm-hmm. a lot of times that bond can blossom into something more than friendship. But sometimes it does not. And it doesn't have to. Um, and I think that brings us to PETA because... Mm-hmm. Their relationship is so different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just wanted to make a comment that in the book, Suzanne Collins describes Peta as like a, a big dude, like a tall, broad-shouldered mm-hmm. dude in the arena. And they casted like the shortest, smallest <laughs> boy for, for the role. I know! So, yeah, so there's that. I just wanted to bring that up. I'm still mad about that, and it's like, he really wasn't in anything after that. Like, I was like, it's not like it, like, made him, like, a big star or anything. It's just like, oh, yeah, there's the boy. 
the boy with the bread. He's just all he'll ever be. Forever. Oh, yeah. And he's so short. It's, like, so bad. So short. Yeah. Yeah, I was very mad about that. They should have cast Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) Just has that element. Just the fact that, like, the actor had extremely black hair and they had to dye it a really fake blonde. I know. Like, okay, so if you're really, really short and you also don't look like PETA, you're perfect. I know. You're great. You. <laughs> Sign yes. the contract. Uh, yeah. So what are your pros for PETA? Oh, sorry. Um, I would say he is very open about his feelings. What you see is what you get. Like, there's no mm-hmm. false pretenses. This is who he is, and you just can take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, caring, thoughtful... Um, so basically everything that Gail is not. Yes. Um, and that, how do you come out of the Hunger Games, you know, having been through what you went through together and not mm-hmm. end up together I know. after everything? That was <sighs> that was my that was my thing. So. Yeah, I don't have and cons yet for Peter. I'm thinking, but <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely love like. All of the backstory with them of, like, him, like, taking a beating for her, basically, when they were kids, just to, like, get her burnt bread, you know? And, like, even the story about, like, their parents were supposed to be together, and, like, it was this, like, missed connection, and, like, he, like, fell in love with her because of her voice, and I was like, that's so romantic. (laughs) Um, It is very romantic. I was like, you can't make that stuff up. Like, and I feel bad because, like, Katniss didn't really think of PETA, you know, because, like, they weren't really in the same, you know, walks of life. Like, she's from the scene, he lives in town. Like, they're just, even though they're all poor, like, they're poorer, you know? And that just makes your life a lot harder and you just... Um, won't be able to relate to that. Um, right. So, it's not surprising that, like, when he's, like, thrust these feelings upon her that she, like, doesn't know what to do with them because she's 16. <laughs> like, I think a lot of people put a lot of pressure on her to, like, make this, like, big decision <laughs> at 16. And I'm like, bruh, I'm so glad I didn't end up with who I wanted to be with at 16. <laughs> Like, let's be real. So, um, and also, it's just, like, you don't have to have this big romance at 16. Like, you have this shared trauma. Let it blossom for a little while. Like, take, take a rest. (laughs) Like, process your trauma. She's too busy storming the Capitol, and it's just, she (laughs) is a girl, a young girl who so much has been expected of her and she's done so much in her young life that I think you forget that she's only 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz even like by the end of the book series like I don't, I only think she's like 18 like by the end. Like I really <laughs> think that's like how old she is at the most. Wow. So um but yeah, like cons for Peta, I would be like bro, you were in love with her th- you were in love with her this long, you said nothing. Um Maybe you should have said something earlier. Uh, I also don't like that he blindsided her. 
at the interview. Yep. But, like, also I get the tactic, so. Um, I blame Haymitch for that, not PETA. But, yeah, there's not a lot of cons for me, except for, like, I don't know. Like, there's just, like, not a lot. <laughs> like, I really I mean, like PETA. He's I a little too you. aggressive with his love sometimes. I'm like, mm-hmm. chill. I'm like, chill. Take a chill. Like, Take a chill pill. <laughs> if he could just be as aggressive in the arena as his love for Katniss is, he could have won that himself. I know. Like, this boy did not fight, like, once. <laughs> the whole no, book. that's my con, too. That's a con. Uh-huh. I say PETA is not uh, not good in combat and would rely heavily on Katniss. PETA was like, I will take the loss. Like, hit me. Kill me, please. Like, the whole, I'm like, PETA, buddy, you okay? <laughs> like, this whole book. I'm like, PETA, you're just trying to kill yourself. Like, yeah. stop. Oh, this boy, he's like, I'm just gonna get skin cancer laying in the sun for days on end with no skin protection. Not even drag myself into a cave. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. And then I'm gonna no. try to eat poison berries. He's so dumb, but pretty. Well. He's a little dumb. Like, I will say that. He's a little (laughs) dumb. He's just not, he's not street smart, okay? He's He's not. He's not street smart like Katniss is. There's book smart and there's street smart. And Uh we don't even know if he's book smart, but we definitely (laughs) know he's not street smart. (laughs) Yeah, I, I'm I'm starting Catching Fire, so I don't want to, like, do too much of that in here. But I'm just like, buddy. Right. Just read the room. <laughs> but he is good in front of cameras, which is important. That is true. That is true. It's so important in this whole conglomeration of things they have to do. So, yeah. Proud of him for that. Yeah, what a show. Mm-hmm. So, like, what? So, like, I, I know I have a couple favorite scenes or moments from the book, but, like, what are a couple of yours? Um, I think some of my favorite moments are the lead up to the Hunger Games. So like when they're in the capital and when Mm -hmm. they're kind of doing a little bit of training and they're having the shows and they're being introduced. And it's like this Mm -hmm. really big shindig for basically this massive slaughter. It's just, it's this glamorous show and the dresses and the makeup and, you know, just all this fake stuff like reality TV. And then Mm -hmm. all of it's just leading up to... Well, like, all of them are supposed to end up dead except for one. So. Right. <laughs> there's that. But I really enjoyed that part of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? I, all of my stuff came from the first section of the book. Um, <laughs> before everybody dies. Um, yeah, so I, my favorite scene was the reaping. Um, I just found it very, just, like, heartbreaking. But also, like, heartwarming at the same time with, like, Katniss is, like, obviously we know she has, like, a really strong relationship with her sister and how, like, you just, like, feel her anxiety written throughout that scene of, like, trying to figure out how to, like, save her and, like, pushing through people and um, how that had, you know, played out through the rest of the book of, like, this common topic that's brought up at, like, all her interviews and stuff and it's, like, the focus of a lot of her, you know, aesthetic and things and I just really like that scene. I think it's really important, obviously, because it kicks off the plot. <laughs> right. right. Um, so I really liked how her, like, bravery was demonstrated in that, like, very early on. Um, 
I also really love the whole scene of her and Peta on the chariot in the opening ceremony. And, like, yes. how they were, like, no one's gonna care. And then, like, everybody loves them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, just a very exciting moment. I love an underdog, so I was happy about that. And then when Katniss shoots an arrow at the Game Makers, because, you know. That was nice. Powerful moment. <laughs> um, have you watched the movie anytime after reading it? Um, no, I was waiting to record this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not gonna lie, I just watched it. And... Oh, did you? It was so good. I mean, like, not always, like, it doesn't always happen like that when you read the book and then watch the movie rendition. Sometimes you're like, ugh. Mm -hmm. But this was like, ooh. Yeah, I remember that this was a very accurate, like, version. Like, I was thinking about the movie as I was reading the book, and I was like, yeah, that was in the movie, that was in the I was like, I don't think they changed much. I think it was pretty overall similar. Which was exciting. <laughs> yeah, it it really wasn't was. like it wasn't like oh they changed that or that character's different or you know like they really stuck true to the the book the book's core, which is very exciting. So I'll have to watch it, um, and and relive that joy. <laughs> right. Well, I'm also in New Hampshire right now at my parents' house, and I have my Katniss Everdeen Barbie that I'm going to have to take a photo of. Please, please send it to me. (laughs) Oh, I need that. Oh, gosh. I I know exactly what it looks like. (laughs) Do you? I do. Oh, man. Well, then, you'll be pleasantly not surprised. Yes, but... I just, I need to relive that moment. Uh, if we're feeling brave, we'll throw it up on somewhere. Some social media somewhere. A story that only lasts 30 seconds. You have to get there fast. Yes, we'll like see who has our Snapchat. notifications on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I mentioned earlier that, like, some people had to read this in high school or middle school for, like, required reading. Um, do you think that it's an important book for people to read? Uh, at least in high school or, you know, early on, uh, or even just to read it all. Um, yeah. I would say no. I would not. I would, I would never say that The Hunger Games is an important novel for society to read. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's an excellent book, and it's a very mm-hmm. fun read. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to change your life. Mm-hmm. Maybe make it better. Yeah. So you don't think it, like, <laughs> teaches... Um, young adults to like see how like these different inequalities like even though you might be from a really poor community like you still can you know win even if all the odds are against you I mean I think that's a a pretty important lesson to teach kids early on I I wouldn't say it's like a hallmark of society to read but no, I mean, I think that's a good book. Do I think it's equivalent to To Kill a Mockingbird? No. I no. mean, like, there's yeah. certain books that I think that are like, yes, this book is educational and classic and mm-hmm. definitely has contributed to society. I think that The Hunger Games has contributed to pop culture, and I think mm. that it's obviously a cool message of an underdog, like, starting from the bottom and ending up on top. Um, but I would still stand by. I just think it's a fun read, and I wouldn't think it's educational mm-hmm. yeah you can you can draw parallels to today which mm-hmm. i mean like you can you can make anything sort of educational i guess mm-hmm. so i don't i'm not against it being 
like, you know, I would definitely recommend it to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, yeah, I'm thinking of, like, you know, 1984 and stuff and how that's been celebrated as a book that, you know, like, everyone should should read. And not saying that Suzanne Collins compares at all, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I it's very similar of this, of... Um, this dystopian world where the government is so, you know, controlling and whatnot. So, um, but it's definitely a lot easier to read at a younger age. Um, maybe not like a high school, maybe a middle school read, you know, like, I feel like high school is really reserved for like things like, like to kill a mockingbird and, um, the book thief and things like that that have like really, really heavy topics. Um, But I feel like this is a good book for, like, a 7th grader to read um, on their reading list, you know? Um, Yeah. But I wouldn't say, like, high school or college or anything, like, where you're really trying to dig in. Um, But But I won't go as far to say that every person should read this book, but, (laughs) you know. This is going to form your life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. I think it just was so foundational for me when I read it. So I feel mm-hmm. like it um, is good for people to read. But, yeah, I wouldn't say it's, like, the most important thing people should read at all. I wouldn't say that at all. I mean, it's really, really good. And I also want to take this moment to plug the prequel, okay? I'm plugging the prequel. <laughs> um, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is so good, Tori. Like, it's mm. so good. And if you the Hunger Games and you're plowing through it, you're going to love a Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes because you've never read it and you don't know the story, so it's going to be for the first time. And it's incredible, <laughs> and it's about President Snow as a young mm-hmm. man. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I know my cousin has just ordered it so she can read it. Um, I think she just got it in the mail today. Um, so she's really excited about that. I'll be like, I'm going to borrow that from you. Yeah, um, you need to. So good. <laughs> I'm really excited to read the prequel because I'm reading it, you know, like a year late. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to read all the original books first because I'm the kind of person, like, you know how, like, with Star Wars, for example, like, there's four, five, and six, and one, two, and three, and some people are like, I'm watching them in numerical order, so I will watch one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm like, no, no, no. I am going to watch four, five, six, so that when I watch one, two, three, I'll be like, aha, I know what that's referencing, you know? <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah. No, you will definitely pick up on things as you yes. read the new book. <laughs> so amazing. Yes, yeah, so I'm excited for that that part because I love a little, like, hidden nugget of, like, this is a nod. And I'm like, yes, I like the tiniest little nuggets. So I'm very excited about that. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. I think that's all of my questions. Um, do you want to do a cat's question? Do you have any questions? Let's do, let's dive into cat's question. One thing I think about a lot is how the media plays a big part of the story. Um in the Hunger Games series. So, like, the games are, like, a really morbid Olympics, and the whole thing is presented to the public as if it's the Oscars. You know, everyone's in ball gowns, everyone's getting interviewed and all their makeup and everything. And also, the success of the contestants isn't so much about their skills and more about their charisma and on-camera personality, which is kind of weird considering it's sort of like a battle to the death, so you'd think it would be more of, um, you know, the strongest one wins, but it's honestly more about how their personality influences their reception by the audience. And I think that reflects so much about how the world is today and how the media acts. And 
Another thing is so many people mentioned that it's the political leadership that would have brought the world to the Hunger Games level. And that's how the society had its downfall. But I honestly think it's the media because that's really in essence what the Hunger Games is. It's just a big media event. So what I want to know is what you guys think had a bigger influence, the politics in the world of the Hunger Games or the media? Thank you so much for that question, Kat. I'm really, really excited about this yeah. question because um, some of my favorite things are politics and media. I'm a marketing major, so I <laughs> was really, really excited about that. Um, I, I personally believe the politics because I think that the politics influence the media because I think the media in this is wildly run by the government. Like, it's not like, and I say this with a grain of salt, it's not like our um, media in America where, you know, the media has a lot of influence over people, people, but, like, the media is not, like, owned by the government. Like, whereas this is, like, everything is owned by the government. Everything is controlled by the government. Every little thing you see is government property. Every person is government property. So that's, like, my personal opinion. Um, though I do think that the media had, obviously, a ton of influence with how the games went. Um, because you have to show... Like, you can't, like, tell people to give you money, you know, for people. Like, the media influences that. So, and people interpret that themselves. Um, but yeah, that's my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think that politics and media, especially in, the, in this book, go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. But I will say that there was an imbalance in this particular Hunger Games because of what happened. Like, Katniss and Peeta were really firm on, like, they wanted to stick it to the capital. Yeah. And, you know, with the ending and everything, the politics and of the games is always that there's one winner and there's mm -hmm. certain reasons why there's one winner and president snow is very firm on that as we know mm -hmm. and the media was influenced by katniss and Peta's, you know star-crossed lover story mm. and when they were at the end of the games and basically you know the capital pulled out the um pulled the rug from under them and said actually no there can be one winner so Good luck. Mm -hmm. um, when Katniss and Peter were like, okay, we're going to commit suicide together, yeah. the media was not going to happen. And the game makers kind of sucked into what the media is seeing, you know, what the politics are projecting. And so he could not allow there to be no victor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that's why at the end, the game maker was punished privately because he didn't follow through with what was expected of him politically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the media did very much affect the games. Yes. Yeah, because so they, that's at that point. Thought. Yeah, at that point they like couldn't just you know, not let they couldn't just not have a winner. So mm -hmm. because it would be an uproar. Not right. just well, at the capital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that was a good point. question. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kat. Like, thank you for all your thoughts on on the book and everything and just your passion mm -hmm. for it like thank you so much for sending your question in like we appreciate every single person who sends a question in we love you so yeah. much <laughs> no 
It's amazing. And so for those of you listening, let this be your sign to send us in a voice memo. You know, when we announce our next book, um, you know, as you're reading along and you think of something or you want to add something, feel free to send us a, a little, you know, five minute voice memo or less. And you might just be featured on our next podcast and we'll discuss your question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we so, so appreciate it when you do. Mm. Uh, it adds a lot of flavor to the book club podcast we have going here and it really gets you guys involved and we want you guys to be involved. And um, yeah, so this is a nice way for us to connect with you uh, and get to know you a little bit better and DMing and, you know, just it's it makes it more fun for us. Yeah. I mean, Tori, do you have any thoughts about just the first book, The Hunger Games, in conclusion, like final thoughts? as we're wrapping up this chapter um, of our podcast? Final thoughts. I mean, I won't say that this is my favorite of the three, Um, Mm -hmm. but I do think that it's a really good introductory book to the series. Um, I think that it it shows us a lot of different characters in a very short span of time um, Mm -hmm. that are very, like, broad and diverse and have a lot going on and shows us a lot of different sides of people and of characters that we don't often get to see in books. Mm. Um, and as I'm rereading this series, I'm very excited to rewatch those, you know, different personalities unfold even deeper as we go deeper in the series. Um, so right. yeah. Yeah. I mean, with that being said, I think it's safe to announce that the next book <laughs> is Catching Fire. Yes. My favorite. <laughs> yes. I can't wait. Yeah. I started reading it today and I'm like, ah, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like back in it. I'm like, this is just, uh, it's my favorite movie. It's my favorite book. I just, yeah, I'm yeah. excited. So many good characters we'll be talking about. I can't mm-hmm. wait. Yeah. Um, before we close completely, I feel like we've really been, like, avoiding a topic. Tell me. I feel like we've really not done Rue justice. <gasps> Rue, she was such a good character. So and the good. the capital did them so dirty. I know. I definitely shed a tear. Um, her whole subplot was just heartbreaking. Because she was just so precious and tiny. (laughs) And just the amount of effect she had on Katniss in the very short amount of time they had together that just, uh, like, wrecks her throughout the series is, Mm. it's just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's another example of the politics versus media with Mm -hmm. what happened and how Katniss handled it and how um, the game maker handled it. Yes. Yeah, and, like, how, like, Katniss was like, I'm not gonna let them be sad. Like, I'm gonna give her a proper funeral. I'm gonna sing her a song. Like, give the the signal of, like, the three fingers, you know? And and eventually, like, her district sends her bread for that as, like, a thank you for, like, being like, hey, thank you for taking care of her. Like, she's only 12. (laughs) Right. I mean, taking care of Rue saved Katniss's life multiple times. One with the bread, and one Thrash chose not to kill Katniss that one yes. time. Yes. Yeah. So, 10 out of 10, Rue is one of my favorite characters. Yes. Very yeah. good character. Yeah, and we also hear a lot um, in this book 
the phrase, and we've mentioned it several times in the podcast, star-crossed lovers. Um, and I just wanted to point out that it was originally from Romeo and Juliet. Um, yes. The, um, from lines, I think it's six through eight, which is a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life, whose misadventure, piteous overthrows, doth with their death bury their parents' strife. And um, this gets misused a lot, I think, in literature. And this is, like, one of the other first examples of Star-Crossed Lovers that I can remember reading, um, where it actually was <laughs> Star-Crossed Lovers. Because <laughs> uh, I feel like some people are right. like, oh, they're, like, Star-Crossed Lovers. But it's like, but they end up happily ever after. You're like, they don't right. have any trauma. Yeah. Like, there's no misfortune, you know? Like, there's nothing waiting for them. I'm like, just because you had some anxiety does not mean you're a Star-Crossed Lover. Um, okay, here's a question. Is, um, is, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Okay, the couple in The Fault in Our Stars. Are they Star-Crossed oh. Lovers? Oh, um, are you talking about Hazel and, um, oh gosh, I'm not gonna remember. It's been so Augustus. long since I read it. Augustus! Yeah, it's been so long. I would say yes. They yes. were. Okay, good. Because they both were you know, knew it was trouble from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew that they were taking chances. Yes. Very interesting thing to point out, Hillary. Yes. Very educational. Thank you. Yeah. And, like, in case you didn't know, like, where this came from, like, um, star-crossed lovers is, like, lovers whose relationship is doomed to fail because uh, they're said to, you know, be star-crossed or frustrated by the stars, um, because of, like, all the stuff with astrology and mm-hmm. how your stars are laid out and um, how in, in that time people had a belief of the stars would control your destiny and how these stars would become, like, intertwined and how they were just doomed to fail because their stars weren't lined up and stuff. So it's very all very poetic. So um, I was happy to see that brought in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, correctly, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was like, yes, Miss Collins, you did your work. <laughs> we love to see it. <laughs> so, yeah. But that's all of the notes I had on Hunger Games because I'm, like, trying to hold back for the rest of the books because... <laughs> yeah, there's so much. There's, there's so, so much, much good stuff ahead. Oh, yeah. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Uh, If you're looking for immediate updates, live streams, content interaction, follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Turn Up the Volumes. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash turnupthevolumespodcast. You can find us on Twitter at TUTV underscore podcast. And you can email us questions, audio clips, memes at turnupthevolumes at gmail.com. No one sent us any memes so far. I am very disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) I have been waiting for memes. And if I don't get any memes soon, I'll have to cry about it. (laughs) Well, don't cry yet. If nobody sends you a meme, I'll make you one. Okay, sounds good. (laughs) Anyways, guys, we love you and we appreciate each one of you and we look forward to hearing from you all. So catch you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys.